Club members. I'm Kate. And I'm Emma. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nightlight Horror Movie Club. Aw, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Today we are covering an episode, um, we're covering a movie recommended by John G. from Virginia. Um, this was specifically recommended as a request for what we are lovingly calling No Chill November. Which I gave to you and will for- forever regret giving to you. <laughs> I know. It was your idea, which is basically... Okay, let's clarify. It was not my idea to scare me it was my idea to say no chill november as a name for something that we're gonna do to scare emma okay you knew what you were doing tomatoes tomatoes you knew what this was when you signed up yeah and you skated by all of october you didn't have to watch halloween (laughs) i watched it with bryce then you watch hocus damn pocus (laughs) and now and you just skated and now it's november somebody Somebody at work was like, "Oh, you have a podcast." I don't know how I don't know how they found out, but they l- looked it up and they're like, "Oh, cool, Hocus Pocus." <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. We've been told, <laughs> but it was fun, and I have no regrets, and I liked doing it. But before we get started on the scary movie, it's time for club bulletins, which is yeah. Emma did an eyebrow waggle, which means she's here for it. Yeah, maybe not the best thing to do for a um, audio podcast, but there yeah, was enthusiasm in my eyebrows. There was. There was. <laughs> well, the first part of every club bulletin, of course, welcome back to all of our beautiful club members. Welcome, welcome. And also, if it's your first time, uh, welcome for the first time. And thank you for joining the club because by listening to this podcast, you are automatically a club member. We're so happy you're here. There's no way out. You are a club member. <laughs> Much like the cave. In the descent. Excellent. Yeah, good segue. <laughs> um, also, part of the club bulletins, I'm just going to say real fast, this is a spoilery podcast. So if you haven't seen this movie from 2005, we are going to spoil what <laughs> Some happens. shade. I mean, it's just like, don't get that. You can't get that upset. But like, you've been you've been officially warned, formally warned. If you want to go watch this movie first, it, this one is on Tubi. I hope you don't mind five ads in a row yeah we're definitely not sponsored because we (laughs) had so many ads yeah this is not sponsored by tubi fuck you tubi (laughs) i know it was free but damn like they really got those ads in there yeah they sure did one of five man that just really hurt watching each each video was like 90 seconds long and because it's not like on television it's clear that it hasn't been timed to like cuts in the plot like it'll just be in the middle of like a climactic battle and it's like are you still using toothpaste out of a tube like an idiot well (laughs) you're an idiot and I'm like great one of five I have to confess that I I did kind of like the nice little breathers from whenever it got really intense oh also if you're new to this club uh as an introduction that's Emma I'm Kate I really really like horror movies and uh Emma doesn't (laughs) Emma really, really doesn't like horror movies. Let's not mince words. But she loves me and she loves the club. I do. And here we are and it's too late. And you know what? That also for those of you who are like, "Mm, I kind of like horror movies. 
or even I don't like horror movies. This is still the club for you. <laughs> Best of both worlds, baby. And uh, we, we there are no dues for this club. But if you really, really like paying dues, there's a way that you can support the club. You can join our Patreon. There's different officer rankings for different tiers of support. And I just have to brag because we do have a new club officer. That is Brian M. He's our latest club secretary. He's from Portadown, North Ireland. So we're getting oh, a damn. lot of... I know. And we're getting a lot of UK listeners, which is great because this episode um, is... It's a British show and all the, all the cast is from the UK. Yeah, we are pandering hard. This one's for you, Ryan. <laughs> That's for you. Also, I just have one tiny fun shout out for a club member, Zoe, uh, just because I like her and she asked me to. So, hey, Zoe, we see you. Hey, Zoe. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, girl. We hope you're having a good day. Well, I guess we should just go ahead and get started. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about The Descent. Just a quick overarching synopsis, if you haven't seen it or it's been a while. The Descent is a 2005 British horror film that was written and directed by Neil Marshall. I have so much to say about him in a minute. And the film is all about six badass women who go into a cave system and uh, things are not as they initially planned. And then they end up, spoilers, struggling to survive against the humanoid cave demons inside. Yeah, that sounds about right. It ramps up just as unexpectedly and rapidly as that sentence d- did. So. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for a film breakdown. <gasps> I forgot film genre again. Kate. No. Oh, you're, no. Your one on. job. Just kidding. I got it. Many. Um, Gollum horror. I will totally take that. Smeagol horror. Because Kate. So Kate and I watched this movie together, but we had to hold back a lot of thoughts. And anytime we started to say something interesting to each other, we had to. Got it. We're like, shut up. I don't want to know. <laughs> Tell me tomorrow. Shut your beautiful face. <laughs> Pretty much. What did this have to do with Smeagol? Why were you bringing that up? Uh, because I have more to say about that later. Oh, okay. Not yeah, now? I, I, no, I have Smeagol content. I have Smeagol content in the in the plot. I have Smeagol content in the reviews. I have Smeagol content. <gasps> oh, I thought I was original. I guess not. <laughs> but well, you were not the only one that connected those dots, Kate. How how about? No, I like Smeagol horror. You sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is I the mean, first one you've liked the first time. I'm like trying to get like three backups for you to reject. <laughs> you told me I was being too harsh last time. You so were being. You're so harsh on my on my but film that, genre. I have the one rule about it fitting with other movies, and that one fits with other movies. I.e., Lord of the Rings, <laughs> <laughs> the another classic horror, horror trilogy. <laughs> Well, this movie came out about the same time as Lord of the Rings. It came out in July of 2005. Um, it's important to note when it came out because there is another movie coming out called The Cave. Was that uh, before or after? That's So technically after. And I'll talk about that. I have a section about The Cave versus The Descent Ooh. Uh, in just a minute. Uh, But first, we have to talk about my favorite part, which is return on investment. So the budget for this movie um, was 3.5 million pounds. So I did some digging and I went back to see what the pound to dollar rate was back in 2005 and then try to adjust it for inflation. And so um, the budget approximately for this movie in U.S. dollars was six and a half million Though for some of those Which stats, is, it's not, 
it's not that much. Oh, I have a lot to talk about the sets Ooh. too. But like they could have used a lot of money. And in a lot of the behind the scenes stuff I plan on talking about in a minute, um, they talk a lot about how we really could have used a lot more money on the sets because the set is basically a character mm-hmm. of the it show. Really but they only had about six and a half million. And um, at the box office, Emma, can you guess kind of how much um, it made? Yours is kind of cheating because you know did. how it did um, critically. I don't know. So how on, it based received. on me knowing how it did, I'm going to say it made 52 million. You made 103 to 105 million dollars. Good return US on dollars. investment. That is some yeah. good bank. <laughs> that is some really good move, movie money. Like that's actually excellent. And um, it's all all kind of kind of goes down to the director slash writer slash uh, genius behind this, who is Neil Marshall. The only movie he had really been really been known for before The Descent was Dog Soldiers, which was a 2002 British kind of werewolf it's movie. A little bit of a hokey name, um, I have to say. Dog Soldiers. <laughs> I mean. I, it's fine. Have you seen it? I, I immediately know what it's about. I know what to expect from it. It's fine. I think the descent has a little bit more to it in that it's about a literal descent and also like a descent into madness. Yeah, no, there's definitely, the, at least from the start, if we're going to compare these apples and oranges, uh, at least the descent has its name going for it. It sure, it sure does. <laughs> but there is one thing that he uh, wrote, or, or I'm sorry, he direct he directed that I was like, wait, is this the same Neil Marshall? And it was. Really? It was the Game of Thrones episodes, The Watchers on the Wall, which he won an Emmy for. Damn. It was. Because it was a really good episode of Game of Thrones. I'm impressed. I'm speechless. So I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they use mostly UK directors. It's just strange that Neil somehow got his name thrown into that ring, but... Good for him. We're like, we need some spook. Neil, you're on. You're on, Neil. That's <laughs> your chance. Just standing next to the set. Get over here. I do ha- I do have a lot of stuff to say about this movie. I want to talk about the all-female cast. I really want to talk about the setting, like the literal setting, and then like the sets that they used and created. Um, the creature design has been specifically requested that I talk about it. And um, duh, of course, always. And also, I want to talk about the endings because there was a U.S. ending as well as a U.K. ending. And Emma, the one you and I saw yesterday was the U.S. ending. And I didn't tell you about the U.K. ending because I didn't want you to look it up yet. (laughs) I totally would have. So I I honestly, I think it's for the best that you did not tell me. And then I just have, I watched, they have like a little documentary that you can watch about behind the scenes. It's pretty lengthy. It's like almost an hour. And um, I watched that and I got a lot of really cool insight into the making of this movie it was really fun to watch you can check it out all for free on youtube if you guys are interested but i'm going to be talking about that stuff Mm -hmm. too as well as the things that i liked and the things that i didn't like about this movie but before i talk about all the stuff that i like about the movie i want to know what other people think about the movie because that is all emma's stuff i don't look up rotten tomatoes i don't look up imdb i don't look up anything uh i just make up my own um very passionate (laughs) opinion (laughs) i think that's all accurate and then argue with uh, the information that Emma has found. So Emma, am I going to be angry or am I going to be pleased? You'll be pleased. Because I feel like you know how I feel about this movie. I do. I can tell you like it. Um, and I will tell you. I do. I like it. 
I think it's good. <laughs> I will tell you that um, the Rotten Tomato, which is what we typically use because IMDb gives you a seven no matter what. Um, it's just seven. <laughs> so the, Unless you're trolls too. Unless you're trolls too, which will dip down to the fives. Um, no, it was like a two. Was it really? That's so bad. Yeah, it was, or 1.6. It was 1.6. Yikes. Um, so this movie actually got an 86%. Oh, shit. Yeah. It was like, I think particularly for a horror movie, it did really well. That's, ex- yeah, that's exactly right. That's extremely good for, one, for any movie. And also, yes, especially for a horror movie. Also, I looked it up on IMDb. Guess what it got? I did get a 7.2. I'm so very surprised. <laughs> it's always a fucking 7. It's always a 7. Unless it's objectively bad, then it's a 5. Exactly. But Rotten Tomatoes gave it a... It, it would have passed the test. Yes. It got like a B plus. So weirdly, whenever I was doing my research on Rotten Tomatoes, the system was down for maintenance. So it led me to a scary place. That being the IMDb reviews rather than the Rotten no. Tomatoes reviews. I, oh no, please. I don't think you've ever shared an IMDb I know. review. So to be fair, they, I think that the reviews are pretty good. Like overall, they're very balanced. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a variety. So on the cut, most of them were along these lines, which this one's from Bob the Moo, which I just love. Um, Sure. You know, Bob the Moo. You know him. So he says he described the movie as tense, nihilistic, grim and engaging horror with strong delivery from director, cast and cinematographer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I agree with all that. Um, another person gave it a 7 out of 10. This was Snoopy style and called it a great B-movie mo- horror. It's This is not a B-movie. I would say as far as production and stuff, it's def- and character development, it's definitely not a B-movie. So I, I don't think I would agree with them. Like a lot of work went into this movie. Like it's very... Like I, I know I know a little bit more than the average bear because I got to like watch a ton of behind the scenes stuff about how they made this movie and look stuff up about how they made this movie. But it's like, even if you don't do any of that, even if you're just like a casual movie goer, like this is not a low budget movie, even though it's a, it is kind of a low budget movie. It's not like, I don't, I don't know. B movies are like, what can we push out there or what can we do on like X amount of dollars? And no, it's going to return a decent amount just based on past movies. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't think it's a B movie either. Um, I want to give you this one that I thought was well-written. It's two out of four, but I want to hear what you have to say at the end of it, okay? Who who rates things out of four? Yeah, I don't know. This person gave it two out of four stars. This person is already a psycho in my book. <laughs> they probably put on their shoes, sock shoe, sock shoe. <laughs> so, okay. This one made me laugh. So, but it's good. This film has so much going for it, but at the one hour mark, it runs into a wall and blows up in the viewer's face. There are two major problems, which I'll get to in a second. Technically, this is one of the best made horror films I've seen in quite some time, which I think this, this review is taking me. It is just shaking me. <laughs> no, it really for two out of four, it gives a lot of strong. Um, it gives a lot of strong marks, but just listen. In both directions. Once we enter the cave, the director is able to build some great atmosphere, some nice suspense, and an an overall atmospheric mood. Agreed. Yeah, totally agree. However, building suspense is very tricky because you've got to know how far you can pull the suspense without the viewing growing tired. The suspense builds for the first hour, and then it just hits the wall, and it seemed everyone in the crowd grew tired the same time I did, which I would say objectively is not true based on the reviews. 
Another problem is that the monsters are hid throughout most of the film up until the second half. As Roger Corman used to say, our good friend Roger Corman, hide the monsters as yeah, who's, who's? <laughs> hide the monsters as long as you can because when you finally show them, they won't be nearly as effective as what the viewer has already built up in their minds. I totally agree with that. I'm confused. Did did she say that one of the problems with it was that, that they hid the monsters and then quoted someone who says that you should hide the monsters? The, her problem is that they hide the monster or his. I don't, I don't know if it's a girl or a guy. Is that they hide the monsters for that first half, but then you get a whole lot of them in the second half. And I, my f- okay. favorite part of this, when the monsters finally did appear, they <laughs> they were another letdown because they seemed like that bald guy in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, <laughs> yeah, they do. I that was so great. They couldn't even. They didn't have the effort to come up with Gollum. <laughs> yeah, this is a very lazy review. I gotta it's say, an that bald but guy lazy review. It seems like she doesn't pay attention to movies is what it seems like, including the ones she's reviewing. Or maybe saw a trailer of, the, of like the first Lord of the Rings where you just see um, Gollum's eyes like in there's, the cave. I, there's no way Gollum is in the trailer of The Fellowship. Oh, my gosh. Um, he, he he is actually. Okay. Also, I looked up Roger Corman, and he is uh, an American film director, producer, and actor who is called the Pope of Pop Cinema. Never heard that. Well, we need to get more learned. And also known as a trailblazer in the world of independent film. Maybe we should know him. Uh, we'll look him up later. He has. There's too much on here for me to even care about. He had his biggest budget yet for I Mobster, a gangster story in 1958. I don't know that we do need to know this I guy, yeah. actually. Uh, the more you tell me, the less I need to know, despite him being the pop of pop cinema or whatever the hell. The Pope of pop <laughs> cinema. That's what I meant. Um, Just very generous. So what do you think of that last review before I give you the last one? I think it's, I disagree. Like, I mean, they're like, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's a, I do not think it cools down in the second half. Like, that's insane to me. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that either. I don't agree that it, it hits a wall in the second half. I think it really amps up in the second half, if anything. Um, yeah. For better or worse. I think it builds. I also, I also don't think that it it's like holding the suspense for too long. It like holds the suspense out and then it shows you stuff. And stuff, hap- like stuff happens really, really fast. And then it's like, okay, suspense, suspense. Stuff almost happens. Okay, suspense, suspense. Stuff really happens really fast. Yeah, no, I... Um, I don't think... It, I don't know how you can watch this and be bored. Like, I'll say this. Like, I had seen this movie before... Uh, I watched it alone whenever I first watched it. And so I was comfortable looking away from the screen at certain parts that I knew were coming up so I could watch Emma's face. And Emma, your eyes were glued to that screen. You tried to take a photo of me. Well, that's because it was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) You had your hand over your mouth and your eyes in like wide horror. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I I didn't realize I had the flash on. Sorry. I guess we're disclosing our opinions (laughs) now because, yeah, exactly. Um, Because I felt like this movie did a really good job of building suspense. Right when I thought I might be about to get bored, I got very pulled in. Um, And the Mm -hmm. thing is, I didn't get bored. I was just like, oh, like, is I I remember in my head thinking like the first third of the way in, like, oh, like, do you categorize horror as like, survival like is is our survival movies horror movies like I was trying to think it through because we hadn't seen anything overtly scary we had seen like trauma and loss and like you didn't know there was 
creatures. No, I did not know there was creatures. I hadn't seen I didn't know anything about this movie. And I remember telling Kate, like, oh, I didn't know that this was an outdoors movie, which may be a stupid That's statement. <laughs> but, like, it starts with them, um, like, canoeing or White kayaking. Water rafting. Yeah, and I remember being like, oh, this They're is, like, an outdoor rafting. thing. Which is hilarious to think there are outdoor movies and then there are indoor movies. That's very funny to it me. It is. The, you know what I mean? Like, within horror, it's, like, Deliverance versus, like, The Exorcist. It's funny you mentioned Deliverance because Deliverance is one of the three movies that Neil Marshall repeatedly in the interviews that I've seen and uh, read brings up Deliverance as one of the three movies that this movie was uh, influenced by or inspired by. So you concede it's horror. He No, I don't. <laughs> and he even says, it. he's like, in, in Deliverance, it's not really horror, but it's an adventure gone wrong. And on that, I will agree. <laughs> I think Deliverance is an adventure gone wrong. I think they're both horror because they're both like people being on an adventure that goes really poorly and then they start getting murdered. How is that not horror? All right. Okay. I want you to do a story on Instagram and I want the people to speak. No. Then every the people have spoken on both sides of the fence. I will say this. You know what? I'll you know, I'll throw it to them. I'll I'll throw it to them, but I'm not covering it on this show. (laughs) Okay. Fair. It's time to do some actual horror movies. Emma, Mm. stop trying this (laughs) i know what you're doing were there any other reviews i want to know what else people thought i'm gonna i want to give you another one were there any good ones? yeah no the first one i gave you was good the second one was bad but hilarious and then two out of four (laughs) and then the third one um i think is interesting um because i think it's more aligned with the overall um general agreement based on being an 86 percent uh positive reviews and then also it references the cave so i it'll make me very curious to know like what you're gonna tell us about the cave so this one i'm gonna tell you something is by claudio carvalho i apologize if i'm saying that wrong not that he's listening sorry claudio emma doesn't know how to read (laughs) thanks kate so this one's eight out of ten scary and claustrophobic cave of horror yeah claustrophobic is the right word she goes the storyline of the descent is not original, inclusive a couple months ago. I don't know. This is not worded beautifully, but inclusive a couple months ago, I saw a very similar movie called The Cave. But on the con- on the contrary of the forgoing film, The Descent has a great screenplay with a scary, claustrophobic, tense and gory story and a psychological study of the characters under a huge condition of stress, deteriorating the relationship among them. The use of light and darkness in the special effects transmit a sensation of fear for the unknown. My vote is eight. Oh, yeah. I think that was a well thought out review. And not just because I agree with it, but because it doesn't (laughs) say things like that bald guy from Lord of the Rings and two out of four. Okay. Also, Claudio is definitely a man's name. It was Claudio. (laughs) That's a man's name. Well, you don't know. I do know. That's a man's name. All right. Well, I'm just trying to be inclusive of whoever they are. I like that you go for she when in doubt, just a she. (laughs) Because that's that's our energy. That is our energy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. These, those were some, I feel like there was like a very medium review. A very bad review and then a very good review. Yep. So I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was good. Can you tell me what you think of the movie, though? I don't. I couldn't tell. What do you think I think of the movie? I think you liked it okay. What? Okay. Well, hold on. Stop. I'm going to... Okay. I've just thought out of 10 what I think of it. So you give me your out of 10. What? No, that's not until the no, end. No, what you think I think of it. That's not till the end. I'm not telling you. Fine. 
Um, a person. Kate, fine. Okay, I'll just tell you. <laughs> you won't let me have there my. There we phone. are. <laughs> okay, I like this movie. Um, I thought. Yay! I um went into it thought had no idea what it was going to be, which I think it's very much for the best. And I think I'm going to try to move forward, not watching any trailers for horror movies. Um, don't trailers take show you all the good bits. yeah they do and like the thing especially for the horror. thing that was the most rewarding about this movie was the fact that i did not know that there were monsters in it oh my god that was really funny we were watching it and they're in the cave and then it just zooms out and there's like a cave monster up like very very front and close you to just the see like the shadow just of drooling, drooling blood yes, yes i thought that was so and good. emma just says oh that's a twist <laughs> I was like, do you not know that there are yeah, demons? Yeah, up to that point, Kate did not know that I didn't know that there were demons in this. Or are they demons? That's another thing that we can talk about. But, ooh, yeah. I know exactly what they are. Okay. I know exactly what they are. I should just say it. Let us let me tell, let me tell you what okay. they are. So, in canon, in the mind of the filmmakers, these are cavemen, hence the cave paintings that we see in the movie, these are cavemen that never left the cave. That That's what I said, remember? That is what you said. And I was like, nah, they're demons. <laughs> <laughs> Were you messing with me or did you know? No, I didn't know. I, I was like, I don't know. They're just cave demons. I was just like, like, no, they're like people. So I was like, I feel like they've been in the dark so long. They've lost their vision because they did not need it. Um, and they like just devolved. That's exactly right. Well, I wouldn't say devolved. I would say they evolved just differently yeah i guess they never were wearing suits so it's not like <laughs> it's not like it was a man who got lost in the caves and started having cave children that became progressively on his knuckles <laughs> no they like evolved closer to like a bat yeah so they don't have vision so that's why they have these contacts in the actors have contacts <laughs> that's in. why they have to wear contacts because <laughs> <laughs> they don't have good vision <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> they don't have good vision, which is why the characters are blind. <laughs> there we go. And the actors who play those characters have crazy looking contacts mm-hmm. in. Uh, they also have bat looking ears. They make clicking noises, which sounds very much like echolocation to me. Yeah. And they just look like little greasy slime ball people. They do. They have little elf and, ears. And that's I'm not just quite the, sure what those are. I guess I, maybe they're capture sound i'm really stretching this but they're bat ears yeah they're for sound they have very very good sound they have good hearing they just can't see very well it's just smell and and it kind of makes sense because like if you think about people who are blind can hear way better than we can so yeah do that for long periods of time and do that for multiple generations (laughs) and if they're if i was gonna say probably like thousands of years years if they're cave people Go into a cave and try this out. <laughs> Have babies in there. You know, <laughs> the crowd and population control is a real thing. So either go to Mars or get in a cave. <laughs> get in a cave, guys. I, I'm very excited to talk about the creature design and the makeup for oh, this because I'm, I thought it was very interesting, some of the decisions they made. It was one made. of my favorite parts. And I don't know what that person thought of it. It wasn't Boo the Moo, whoever the other one was. Um, but I actually thought that the i really really liked the creatures they were creatures the crawlers the crawlers ooh that's what they're the, called crawlers the crawlers were just as scary if not more scary when you saw them in real life and i thought that was a testament to creating a, a type of 
costume for them that allowed the actors to be very, very physical. That's right. It. That's it right there. That's exactly right. And that's all. I'll, uh, I don't want to talk about it now. I guess I can. Uh, I guess I'm going to. So here we go. <laughs> so Neil, um, the director, Neil Marshall, he specifically chose to have actors instead of stunt people or dancers portraying <laughs> the. I'm just sorry. I'm just imagining what? dancers in the role. And well, you can't imagine that because in behind the scenes, they're they're in, in full costume doing like pirouettes and shit. And again, these are not dancers; these are just goofy ass actors what? that are friends with Neil. What? Oh, the behind the scenes shit is so cute. I'm gonna post it. They, they have them like pretending to file their nails. That's adorable. They have them like smoking. <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. What's even more fun is whenever they're in full costume, and. Then they open their mouths to talk and it's like a very posh British accent. I'm like, oh, that's I love it. I also forgot that this that's was not filmed, what I, I think in Scotland. It was uh, filmed. all Yeah, partially in Scotland. So it's set in North Carolina, which is fun, um, specifically in the like the Appala- the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, oh, fun fact. It is pronounced Appalachian like they're throwing an Appalachia. It is not Appalachian. It is Appalachian. Yeah, that's fair. But I will also um, say anyone who calls it the Appalachian Mountains, is it's fine because people in North Carolina go between the two. No. Yeah, they do. Not in the mountains, they don't. Okay, maybe Literally not, not, maybe in, the not mountains, in the mountains, they don't. But I, so the people who live in the Appalachian Mountains call it the Appalachian. So that's how you're supposed was to Was Deliverance it. filmed in... That was set in the Appalachian Mountains as well, right? I mean, it was, it was filmed there. I know that. In Dillard. Yeah. Um, I think that also, I feel like this British director fell in love with that movie and maybe a couple of others. And because it's interesting that like they say that they're in the Appalachian Mountains, but they don't film there. And because Kate and I are from North Carolina, we were like, as we we started watching it, we're like, that's not North Carolina. Like, that's not North Carolina. Because we spend time in the mountains and it just looks different. I thought it was on the West Coast. I did not guess it was in Scotland, but I have no idea what the Scotland wilderness looks like. So forgive me looks like that yeah apparently <laughs> it was filmed they all the exterior scenes were filmed in scotland um which is why em and i were like that's not north carolina but they did not shoot in an actual cave like at all it was just a collection of set pieces which i'll talk about in a minute but the makeup for the crawlers initially took five hours <laughs> that's some lord of the ring b- bullshit five hours because and they had to shave all of the hair off of their body <laughs> Like all of it had to be gone because they're just body painted. Everything's body painted. It's not like a suit. It's prosthetics, which I'll talk about the prosthetics. We'll talk about Paul Hyatt. He's he's brilliant. But it's prosthetics and body paint. And so it took five hours with them in the chair. But then they were able to get it down to three and a half hours. But still. How do they get it down to three and a half hours? Just by like repetition? They just. Yeah, just repetition and kind of figuring out what worked and what didn't work. And so they were able to get it down to three and a half eventually. It's also, I thought this was a really good choice on Neil's part, on the director's part. He kept the crawlers hidden from the actresses until they were encountered in the in the scenes, oh, especially the first scene. I mean, that would be scary. I don't care if you're acting or not. That would be scary, seeing that for the first time, coming yeah, at you. Yeah, it scared the, sh- it, yeah, it did scare them. And also it created this suspense and this adrenaline of, what are they because they have they don't even know what they look like they have no idea what they're about to see i love that what a great scene are we gonna see them 
Yeah, so one of the actresses was like, oh, yeah, whenever the moment finally came, I nearly wet my pants. <laughs> and apparently, and there's a video of it, of her just, like, running um, after afterwards, just, like, laughing hysterically and trying to hide the fact that she's really freaked out. Aww. And one person just runs completely to the other side of the set. <laughs> it's just like, no. And they did that in um, It, whenever they, they hid Pennywise from the child actors until the projector scene. Oh, shit. They first encounter him. That's, I know. And I don't know if I've, I don't know how nice that is. I, I know, but it was a good directing choice. Probably not great to the kids. Yeah. But a good directing Normally, choice. Normally, you know, I think and, of horror um, movies and I, and I hear about them being like, you know, hanging out with the kids, showing them that they're like, it's just a man in a mask. That's like the opposite direction. Yeah, we're trying to scare these fuckers. <laughs> they're getting a paycheck too. You better, they better scream. Work for it. Yeah, they're getting paid. <laughs> like, don't worry about them. They're fine. But Paul Hyatt was one of the people. It was mostly Neil who was like, this is what the crawlers are going to look like because he wanted them to be, you know, cave people that are formed by the cave. But Paul Hyatt was the makeup and prosthetics creator who made that kind of come to life. And originally, whenever they did the first uh, screen tests, when it, the first round of the crawlers were a lot more creaturey and less human. They were very wide-eyed, uh, and they just looked—they didn't look quite right. And I, you can you can see images of kind of the first prototype of it, and it's not the final. They don't like finalize it, so it's not very very polished. But you can still tell it's like that's just that's not quite as good so they went back and um they redid a couple things they made their skin less white because originally it was pure white it was like phosphorescent white Mm -hmm. but it made them too reflective and so they were very very visible in the dark so they had to adjust it they kind of made them a lot dingier and they blended them into the shadows a little bit more and they made their eyes uh, they like brought their eyes down 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 so their eyes are very very small like slits in the prosthetics Mm -hmm. pretty much and then they have the of the white um, cataract looking contact lenses i just pulled up the crawlers just to remind myself of how they look and oh my god they are very very scary they i they are i'm looking at the green like the um whenever she was maybe was she using infrared and you saw saw the crawler right behind her yeah 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 oh he Mm -hmm. looks terrifying that's the first time you really see them like you get that really brief shot initially where they're like there are creatures in this movie and then it's just that shot of him behind her damn i i I really like this makeup to be honest like i think it's well done and i think it stands up to time it stands up like this is an old movie and it still looks really good because it didn't lean i'm getting on my soapbox (laughs) it didn't lean on computer generated effects as much as it does which as we know as has been shown again and again those do not age well they don't unless you're lord of the rings (laughs) yeah fair (laughs) not the hobbit lord of the rings the hobbit is what you shouldn't do and lord of the rings is what you should do correct now i do want to talk about prosthetics if i could okay yeah go for it so I, I mentioned Paul Hyatt. I mentioned how he created the creature prosthetics, but there's a lot more prosthetics than just the creatures. So almost every single actress in this movie has prosthetics. So we have uh, a full prosthetic for Holly, who is the short-haired woman who is very like happy-go-lucky in the beginning and then gets very, very yeah, angry the, as it yes. goes on. The one who breaks her they leg. They made a full prosthetic. Oh, yeah. They made a full prosthetic of Holly, like a wax prosthetic so that they could throw her down a pit 
And you can look up images of the prosthetic. It looks so real. It's extremely creepy. Ooh. And um, they make a wax pres- a wax mold of her so they can throw dress her and throw her down the cave so that she can, quote unquote, break her leg. And then they have a prosthetic leg, which was absolutely so extremely cool. On my list of things that I love, love, love about this movie was the scene where Holly's leg is broken and they have to set it. I liked it. I liked all the character so, development in that. And also it was kind of... It was interesting. Kate assumed that I would know how to do that because I am a doctor. But the interesting thing is that because I'm internal medicine, like I deal with a lot of the inside stuff and I don't deal as much with like the orthopedics because we have orthopedic surgeons or trauma. And Kate, on the other hand, as a vet, she does kind of all of it. So she's like, yeah, you've, you've splinted before. I'm like, no, I haven't. I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, you guys really need to get a vet on your apocalypse That's what team. I'm saying is I would want a vet on my apocalypse team. I'm just saying, be nice to me or I'll set your leg wrong. <laughs> I'll set it funny. I don't know nothing about but them they legs. Make- <laughs> I don't know nothing. So they make this prosthetic leg that is just a silicone skin that slips on and it has these bone pieces Ooh. that, and it has blood tubing so that it pumps blood. It is so effective and so good. And that is probably the most horrifying scene for me to watch is them trying to set it and like the blood and her biting down on the thing. Uh, yeah, you did make oh, some it's noises, horrible. which you're pretty quiet in horror movies. I am, but I don't like, I don't do well with bones sticking out of legs, I guess. I thrive on That's it. my thing. I don't love, you know, <laughs> compound fractures. That's just me. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Holly also gets her neck ripped open. So she has a neck prosthetic as well. She got all the cool and, stuff. Um, she really did, but she's also in the movie not very long. Yeah. Because of all uh, these cool speaking things. Speaking of not very long. I huh? said because of all these cool things, she's not in the movie for very long. Correct. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that's true. Six of one. So Paul is the husband in the movie briefly, and he also was there for a good time, not a long time. He got a wax head uh, that they got to shove a scaffold through oh for the car, the car accident scene. Yeah, that was, that was abrupt. Yeah, I definitely it? jumped for that one. You sure did. A Juno gets stabbed in the leg, and so she has a leg prosthetic. Just really neat stuff, and just very impressive, and all extremely effective, in my opinion, especially for a 2005 movie that we're watching almost 20 years later. Like, that's just very impressive to wow. me. Wow. That also makes me feel old. Jesus. It, 2005 doesn't seem that long ago. It It is. People from the year 2000 can, like, buy alcohol. That's true. So. I was in fifth grade then. And not watching that's this movie. So versus Kate, who's probably watching this. And worse, when she was in fifth grade, if we're being honest. (laughs) If we're being very honest. I don't know. Have we told people about the time my first experience with a horror movie was also your first experience, which is watching Silver Bullet, only you weren't supposed to be watching it? No, I wasn't. I remember we were like having a conversation and mom and dad were talking about Silver Bullet and they're like, oh, and we were all just kind of like, oh, we should watch it. And so we went and rented it from like not even Blockbuster, whatever the off-brand one. It was from the, we, we rented it from, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Video Hollywood, something, something like, like that, that. In like a strip mall. Um, and I remember it being a last minute decision. And because it was last minute, it wasn't thought through. So there was like a, que- I was very curious about it. And so there was a question of, oh, can I watch it? And they were like, I think so. It's not really gory because we're we're close in age, and when we were little, we were also close in size. Like I was there, I'm I am a shorter person than you, yeah. so I we were like the same size. So if if I could watch something or if I could do something, then in their head we both could. But there's a big difference between a five year old and a seven year old. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or I think it was six and eight, probably. I was, I think I was six only and eight. Six years old. 
You were six. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. Well, I don't, I think that, if, if I recall, I think that you watched it from the upstairs banister. I don't think you were supposed to be watching no, it. No, I, I can't remember now. I think I was allowed to watch it because I think that was the big uh-oh that mom had to deal with for a while. And to be honest, I think I was a little bit older than that, which I, I can't tell if that helps or hurts. It maybe helps mom and dad's case, but hurts mine. Um, but I think it explains your role in the show yeah, very it does. well. I was it was the the opening scene where that guy's head gets lopped off and it's like sitting on the railroad track that was it for me <laughs> and i was scared of very scared of werewolves for a long time and like scared of full moons and like yeah we had to take out the trash when it was a full moon because emma couldn't do it because she'd cry well, and also our oldest sister sarah would <laughs> Whenever we were coming back from piano lesson, she'd be like, you see that, Emma? It's full moon. And I would just start crying. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> It was it a was time. Emma came home once from school and didn't sleep for a week at least and would cry because someone told her about the plot of it. Yeah, that was in first grade. I, I had nightmares for a really long time. Because someone explained what it was. And like talked she about the shower it. scene and stuff. So then I was scared of showers. Like it just was all bad. Yeah, so that's why Emma doesn't like horror movies. Yeah, that's why I'm me and Kate is Kate. That is, that's correct. Well, there's not. I have a, just a little bit more to talk about. Um, I do want to talk about the all-female cast because you can thank our badass director, Neil, for that. And I know I'm talking about Neil a lot. I just really like him. He seems like a really cool guy. <laughs> Neil's a good guy. Neil's a good man. And um, everything that I've seen and how people speak about him, especially in the behind-the-scenes stuff, he just seems like a very gentle and collaborative person director yeah it sounded like it was a a very enjoyable set oh everyone was like oh yeah this has been so much fun I had such a good time everyone's been really fun and a lot of like a lot of the dialogue is ad-lib which is why it comes across so genuine and um interesting like there's stutters and it it works for it and the fact that he gave his actresses that freedom Mm -hmm. shows that he trusts them very much and that he he's relying on them and they're not just bodies for his show like he's like no you guys are part of this no that's great and they just felt they felt enormously respected by him and I just he basically is just like the anti-Kubrick if you've heard my Shining episode where we talk about how Stanley Kubrick treated people uh he's the opposite of that and it shows that you don't need to bully your cast and crew to make a really good movie I also um one thing that I liked about this movie with regard to the all-female cast First of all, it's pretty early and it wasn't a quote move. It was just a natural decision. Like, I think it'd be great to have like a a group of women going and blah, blah, blah. They're all very um, strong women and very capable women. There are no dumb women in this group. Um, There are no really stereotypes of women. Each woman is like strong in their own way and has their own personality. And it's not a bit. Mm -hmm. It's like versus like Ghostbusters the women one like it's not a bit and Kate and I accidentally watched like five minutes of Ghostbusters recently on Halloween because Nick accidentally her husband downloaded the wrong Ghostbusters um <laughs> and that movie how do you download the wrong which one came out in like what like 2000 late 2000 teens um a bad time to be making movies I'll just say what it was they were trying to do something with the all-female cast that was so uh like Force. force so incredibly forced and this movie way earlier doesn't try to do that and represents women really well and juno the actress who plays juno said in the interview she was talking about oh yeah one big thing that really made me happy about this script is it doesn't make anything of me being an asian actress like i just am like it's not 
anything. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Which is the point, right? Like... Which is the point. It, exactly. But for her, who is getting offered roles where her role is very much about how she is Asian, she's like, no, I just want to like be a badass, but also a psycho and also be really good with a pickaxe. Yeah. You know, the dream. It makes total sense. It makes total sense. And, you know, The Descent wasn't always going to be an all-female cast. Really? No, originally it was going to be a mixed cast of men and women. But Neil and his business partner were like, yeah, but what if we just get rid of the men? What if we did that? (laughs) What if we did that instead? And then he hired people from different parts of the UK who all have different accents, um, which was very different from his original or his first horror movie he did, which was an all-male, all-British cast for dog soldiers. So it helped people tell everyone Mm -hmm. apart, which especially in a very dimly lit movie that's helpful yeah absolutely uh no they all look very distinct yeah they're all they all look very distinct um they act very distinctly they have very distinct personalities you make decisions based on their personality i just thought that was extremely cool and uh it works it just works yeah talk about a movie that passes the bechdel test hell yeah I don't. I think someone says like two. Paul gets like three words in this movie where they shove a a rod through his head. Yeah, I don't even remember what he looks like to be honest. I don't. I think he was brunette. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not important because this isn't about you, Paul. Yeah, no. Even when it is about Paul, right? Like even when it comes back to Paul and like her marriage and how spoiler, um, her bestie who dropped them down in a in an abandoned cave was also having an affair with her husband. Like, even when that comes back, it's not even about that. It's about, yo, I thought we were, I thought you were my best friend. Yeah. It's about betrayal and loss and um, even her being petty towards the end. It's like realistically how someone might react, not just like, it's, I mean, it's not how I would react, but like, yeah, I'm, he gave me a you're face. making me nervous. <laughs> it's not how I would react. You, it's, yeah. It's not okay. Someone steals your boo. You drive a pick in their leg <laughs> and leave them to die. No, it's not what I mean. I just mean like the amount of shit that she had gone through built up while it wasn't just like I suddenly hate this character because she slept with my husband. Like it was so much more than that. It was so much. It was like, OK, let's let's go through it. Let's go through how Juno Dunn fucked up. One, her fucking ego got in the way. Yeah. Her ego where she's like, if you haven't seen this movie, this is a very major plot point. They're supposed to go to a place called Boringham Caves. I think it's Boringham Caves mm-hmm. or Boreham Caves. Caves. That's what right. it is. Boreham Caves. And it's supposed to be like super boring. And Holly, who's like the badass um, base jumper, crazy girl, is like, oh, this is so boring. Might as well have handrails and have a gift shop. And this is so dumb. It's going to be so easy. Because the whole point was we're just getting the main character, Sarah, back out in the group after the horrible horrible yeah. death of her family it's been like a year it's been like a year and it's like we're gonna ease her into this so juno decides not to do that and she takes it in a completely different direction that's about her let's be honest where she picks a cave that is unnamed and has not been explored and she's like we're gonna explore it but she doesn't tell them nope until after they're trapped in the cave. Yeah, and like, okay, well, what are the ways of getting out? Pull out that handy book that you have about the caves. And she's like, well, actually, I left that in the glove compartment because we're not even in that cave. Because we're not even in that yeah. cave. Yeah. Because whenever there's that initial cave in, they turn to basically the mom of the group. I can't remember what her name is. She's the big sister. Mm-hmm. She's the literal big sister and also the mom of the group who's just trying to protect everyone. And um, 
she's she's the one who mapped a flight path for if they don't come back from their caving mission they can be rescued and they get caved in and like it's okay like we we, we've taken care of it we prepared for this emergency and she immediately knows that juno's on some bullshit because she's like well no because i did a flight plan for borum caves and we're not in borum cave are we did did she oh she figured that out herself she figured it out herself because these people are really smart yeah they're smart and they they know what's up and they adapt and they know each other they know each other which makes it more compelling to watch because i care about their relationships like whenever someone died in this movie i cared i did too and and they took out two people instantly two of the like what six just gone real quick it took about horrifically so gory i also felt like the way that people were dying was i felt like the fight scenes um and the gore felt realistic uh because Mm -hmm. these people these animals the crawlers were not super human like they they were very good at their hunting skill set but they weren't like invincible to where no one could fight them and so you would see people like grappling with them and then because they kill people and they're very efficient at doing that because they're hunters, they would just like rip out their jugular, which also just made sense to me as a very efficient way of killing someone. And yeah, that was the first thing you said was, oh, that's efficient. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Like you just take a giant bite. It's horrifying as a concept, but like you don't have any bones <laughs> that you're trying to get around. It's like the quickest way to kill somebody. Like it made sense. And then also whenever, um, what is the main, uh, the Sarah, not Sarah, the other one, Juno. Whenever Juno is like able to fight them, it also kind of makes sense because she's really, she's really athletic and she's not doing superhuman things to fight them. She's just very willful and very strong and able to kind of mm-hmm. be resourceful. Yes. And she doesn't hesitate. No, she which sure does not. Is a problem at a very specific point in the movie. Oh, yeah. Where, poor Beth, where she should have hesitated. That was also a shock. Yes, whenever Beth gets a freaking ice pick to her neck because she turns and she thinks it's another creature and she can't hesitate and she just whoop yeah, through the neck. She's fighting these creatures. She's just like, she like in Rambo mode, attacks them, kills them, and then whips around and slices right into Beth. And leaves her. That was the really bad part. And then can't cope with it and just like backs out and awful. Don't worry, Beth gets <laughs> Beth gets her back in her own way. Yeah, but it's like, let's talk about the shit Juno did. She brought him to the wrong fucking cave on purpose. She lied to them about the wrong cave on purpose. Um, she kills Beth, uh, which is bad enough. But then she leaves Beth for dead when she's not dead, but she leaves her for dead. And, oh, let's not forget that she uh, had an affair with Sarah's husband. Yep, and then wasn't there. And is wearing... The necklace that he gave her because in the cave she sad that he's gone because she's sad and this is about her feelings not your feelings Sarah even though this is a trip for you and she also um it sounds like from their dialogue that she wasn't there for Sarah after the husband died like she wasn't a support system for her yes because it was also her husband (laughs) technically it was not her husband very 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 pretty sure that it was specifically not her husband correct um which sarah uh 
gets her own revenge for. Should I just go ahead and say it? I'm not going to walk through this whole movie. This movie is extremely linear, not in a bad way, in a, in a way that was really refreshing to me, honestly, where it just keeps moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a good Quite way literally, it. because you can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> You're, we're just moving on forward. But I, I don't feel the need to hassle through everything that's happening because I, we kind of are in our own way. But at the end of the movie, it comes down to just Juno and Sarah. And Juno has taken a, a spike to Beth like a long time ago. And so Beth gurgles that out to Sarah whenever she sees Sarah. And then has and Sarah mercy kills Beth. Yeah. And that she also gets like, first she says that, that Juno killed her. And then she has the, and before she dies, she's like, also she slept with your husband just for the record. And it's like Beth, come on. Not, maybe not the most graceful death. But Beth, yeah, Beth went out swinging at yeah, Juno. She really did. She's like, she's like, so Juno did this. Don't trust her. Get out of the cave on your own. Which I don't know if that's good advice. I would, yeah. Whenever she said that, I was like, I mean, y'all have handled that later. Your Sarah just needs to get out of the cave with whoever can help we get just her need out. To, we need to get out of the cave. And Juno's very resourceful and stabs stuff. Yeah, sometimes the wrong stuff, <laughs> but sometimes the right stuff. Sarah's the one I'm pretty no. I'm so no Juno's a resourceful and Sarah is is it Sarah or Juno that sticks the torch through one of their mouths? Um, I'm pretty sure that Sarah Sarah's, Sarah Sarah's the one who found Holly's body and managed to MacGyver a um, torch with it. That's right. Damn, these are some badasses. Yeah. <laughs> these people are really cool. But since we're talking about um, the endings, I guess I might as well tell you what happens in the UK ending. So. I'm trying to think of how it would be different, like more gory, because I feel like UK is less censored. All that it is, is they took for the UK version is the original version, the original ending. And for US audiences, they trimmed like a minute of it off, just literally trimmed a minute of the ending hmm. off. What minute did they trim? In the US ending, Sarah is running. Um, Juno's been killed. She. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I said this. Sarah takes a pick. To, and just swings it deliberately through Juno's leg. Yeah. And then leaves like, fuck Yeah, purposely you. is feeding her to the crawlers. Yeah, on purpose. Um, Because she is 100% done with Juno's bullshit. And also, she's just been spiraling. Like, Sarah has had a very bad time in this cave. She's been alone. She's been swimming through lagoons of goo and blood. Yeah. Uh, she's been having a very bad time. Um, so she's just, she's just completely lost it. She takes off running, uh, leaving Juno for dead, which, yep. And she falls down. She's running. So she falls down a cave, some cave steps, I guess. And then she hits her head. She comes to, she sees sunlight. She runs, she escapes through a hole in, in the slope and she runs to her car takes off and then the last minute is a jump scare basically where she hallucinates a bloodied up Juno sitting in the car next to her and it just cuts to her eyes as she screams and then it just uh, cuts to black that's the end of the movie so the US of the UK ending is all all of those things happen but then after she screams it's her waking up and she wakes up in the cave after hallucinating her escape oh she sits up and she sees her daughter across from her holding the birthday cake. Do you remember the birthday yeah. cake in the in her dreamy s sequences? This is why they had those dreamy sequences was for this ending. Um, 
she's holding the birthday cake and Sarah smiles at her and the shot widens to reveal that the birthday cake is there's no cake there and the candlelight that you see is actually just the light of her torch and then it backs out and you just hear the crawlers closing in around Sarah oh oh okay so so yeah they trimmed it because they thought American viewers wouldn't like the completely hopeless finale (laughs) well I think in a way I have mixed feelings I think in a way they're both hopeless because in the first one in the American edit that we saw originally I feel like So she gets out, she finally survives, and then, like, the horror is still with her, and the trauma is still with her, and now she just has another thing that she's traumatized about. So it's like she escapes the cave, and then Juno, who she murdered, is a new guilt that she's going to have to carry forward. So... 100%. I felt like that was really interesting. And then when I'm thinking, I'm trying to decide, I tend not to... I'm okay with movies that just end with everyone dying, but some part of it to me feels like a lack of like it's so it's exactly what you would expect so I like when people make it out because it 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 requires takes more story development to come up with that than it does like you've already had people dying the last 40 minutes just having it in with the last person dying to me is is a little anticlimactic I feel that well exactly what you said you said Basically, just because she gets out doesn't mean that's a good ending. And that's exactly what the director said whenever they edited it. And he compared it to the ending of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, saying just because she gets away, does that make it a happy ending? Yeah. And also what you said about it being anticlimactic in a way. So the Lion, this was also produced uh, in part by Lionsgate and the marketing chief in the U.S. said this movie is just it's a visceral ride. And by the time you get to the ending, you're drained. So. I completely get that. And literally whenever she gets out of the cave and she gasped that first breath of air, I thought that was extremely symbolic. And I felt like I could breathe Mm -hmm. finally. Like there's light and there's air. And I feel like I'm breathing even though I've been breathing air the whole time. So I I, I, I get what they're saying. I get why they made the decision. In my opinion, I do think the UK ending is... I don't think I don't think one ending is better, but I do think the UK ending is probably stronger because I appreciate that it kind of comes comes back to the daughter and also I've just in particular I've never liked to jump scare smash cut ending it always feels like they don't know what to do which is what this felt like even though that's not what it was they were just editing out a part they didn't want U.S. audiences yeah to no see. I feel I have mixed feelings about it because I um on top of all the things we've already said I feel like yeah I don't love a jump scare either as an ending it's it's a very easy ending I think fortunately for her not fortunately but because there's trauma built into the storyline it makes more sense so it, it it's a little more natural um and then I do think that there is an inconsistency in like her trauma kind of carrying through in little pieces and not carrying through at the end so that having that cake at the end of the daughter at the end does make sense but in a way is also yeah. predictable because you knew from the start if that woman dies she's gonna die seeing her daughter I don't mind predictable if it makes sense. Okay, that's fair. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. So I think overall I like, I don't know, is the other movie, can I see the other ending? Yeah, I'll send it okay. to you. I think I, so you can watch it and kind of Yeah, I want to make my own decision. I'm going to hold off, but I, so far I'm like very okay with the American ending. And I, like you were saying, I really like being able to take a breath of air. And also just to see like, oh, wow, that exists even within the context of like the real world because you kind of forget about the real world so to like have that brought back into focus is really interesting and knowing that those things are under the ground with the rest of us just like operating as if they're not 
That's so creepy. That is really creepy. Where no one can hear you scream. Is it time to rate? I think so. I think so, too. You go first. I want to know what you think. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 jugulars. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) So you liked it. You overall really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. it. That's a positive. No, I think it. Okay. I think it was very strong. I found myself interested the entire time. And I think the fact that you can attest to my um, my reactions, I think, speaks for itself. Like, I, I was very shocked. I did not guess what was going on um, until it happened. And even when it happened, I was bought into the second half and almost new story that was unfolding. Agree. I totally agree. I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten lakes of gore lakes of gore yes eight and a half out of ten there's stuff i really really liked i've talked about a lot of things i like um the cinematography was fantastic the sets oh i didn't get to talk about the sets just real fast for the set um this is so many different sets it's it's 21 full sets in total oh my god that they but there's they're a collection of set pieces and they're all entirely made from polyurethane just spray rock and then they would just use them and then put them in different pieces and reuse them and then some they would have this set be dry and then they rearrange it and then make it a wet set like a wet cave and then they rearrange it and they'd add like um what's the word i'm looking for stalactites like the hanging mm-hmm. like rock sickles they'd add those to make it look a little different and i thought it was really effective and they used like matte paintings to make it look longer than it is they did a lot with a much lower budget and i just it's i'm just extremely impressed by these sets i thought it was very realistic and i felt like it was a real cave and i wouldn't have been surprised if they were like yeah we filmed this in exactly cave. that's what i was gonna say is i like would have totally bought that it was in a cave i thought the the um directing was really good i told kate at the very beginning of the movie i was like this doesn't feel like a horror movie it feels like a, a regular movie not like not to feels like an outdoor not movie to, not to diss horror movies but sometimes you know they're lower budget like sometimes there's like a good concept but the, there's not as much um like if the editing is a little boring or the like directing's a little boring but this one had like had the score of like a blockbuster movie it had mm-hmm. the like the angles were really good like cinematog the cinematography was very good and i just felt like overall the production value was very high I feel like there was a lot of love that went into this. Like the team really cared about the project. Mm-hmm. And I thought that showed. Yeah. The cinematography in in particular, as well as the score, the actresses were fantastic. I just thought everything was very obvious that there was a lot of care. The actors that were the creatures, mm-hmm. that were the crawlers, I thought they put so much into it. And it really paid off. They feel real. And um, there's very little that I didn't like. Um, there was, there, I have two things that I didn't like about the movie. Ooh, okay. And they're very minor. The first, I think I mentioned both to you as we were watching because I couldn't keep my mouth shut, but the the car trauma, the PTSD that Sarah would have from being in this horrific car, this deadly horrific, hor- horrific car accident that took <laughs> I know family. what you're about to say. <laughs> and then, yeah, immediately juxtaposed with the Cruella DeVille driving. <laughs> Going to the cage, going to the cave where they're just like cackling and swerving. Kate and I both independently and Sarah's in the back like, laughing. This is making us uncomfortable. Can you imagine if you had gotten in a horrific car car accident where you lost your loved ones? And you're like, this is fun. A girl's night out. Absolutely <laughs> I was not. Like, no. So that was number one. Number two, and this is a just a very personal pet peeve for me. I doubt Emma even noticed it. And I just, it's CGI bats. I don't like CGI bats. I notice them actually. Whenever there's always... 
There's a cave. Yes, there's a cave and they look in and then a bunch of bats fly out. They're always visually hideous. They all, it's always a cheap jump scare and I just don't like yeah. them. So guys, if, if you're not going to risk rabies for the cast and just bring live bats on set, I don't want to see. I, um, I'll add one to the things I didn't like and that would be um, whenever they're trying to demonstrate that Juno's a show off and so they have her randomly like hold her leg in the air like hey guys I thought that was hilarious out. I was just like what like no one I thought that I've was never spot seen on anyone. you don't know someone like no, that no not quite that bad I know people like that who like are just constantly doing things to show people they can do yeah, things I guess that's fair and I, the, I will say the movie did make fun of her like it was a little tongue-in-cheek because Holly instantly starts like pretending to try yeah, to put her leg does. over her head but I know I, I agree it, Juno's fucking annoying so I think that and then the thing that we've talked about but she's wonderful earlier which is just that um the trauma doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the story like a good amount of time is spent in the like her in the hospital her finding out her family has died that kind of stuff and it doesn't like it almost seems a little disconnected with the second part of the movie I agree I wouldn't have minded if we didn't have that at yeah, all you kind of don't need just it. made it about the sisterhood like about the girls and you could have done like you could have you spent know, a lot less time and demonstrated that, sh- that this person has had trauma or something I didn't need the hospital you scene didn't need the all. hospital scene you didn't need the um like the the jump scare of the um spike going through the window like when she's like sleeping um and she imagines herself going to the window and a spike coming through it like you kind of just didn't need those because they don't pay off later if it came in later somehow it would make more sense I guess that's fair. I think it's just to demonstrate she has PTSD. Yeah. That's fair. Before we go, I do want to talk about the cave. <laughs> okay, tell me. Like the, the oh movie, the movie the, the cave. cave. Okay, yeah. It, from the sounds of the reviews, it sounds like this movie was better than the cave. So the descent came out in two thousand five. The cave came out in two thousand five. They're nearly identical premise. It's a group of for the cave. It's a group of cave divers and scientists who become trapped in a in a cave system in Romania, and they encounter a pack of deadly creatures. Uh, it sounds pretty similar. Same budget. <laughs> it's a six million oh, U.S. Shoot. budget. Have you seen the uh-huh. review? Yeah, you weren't supposed to be looking well, at it. That's job. what I'm supposed to be telling <laughs> it's my you. Job. Oh my no! You're not supposed to look. Well, damn it. I was going to have you guess. I guess Emma can tell you. The only difference is how well it did. So, Emma, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It got... Tw- how, wait, remind us what the descent made. On, 86%. What the descent got on Rotten Tomatoes. 86%. Okay. What did the cave get? 12%. That's <laughs> Abysmal. really bad. It's so bad. And um, I just want to tell you one more quick thing. Uh, the cave started production six months before the descent. And the descent was originally slated to be released in November 2005 or February 2006. But Neil was like, we are not coming after the cave, which was a um, a U.S. movie. And they were worried it was going to be much bigger ah. budget, bigger names. And so they pushed really hard to get it out before the cave. And so they got it out three months ahead. I see. And <laughs> so if the ca- if the descent made about 100 million U.S. dollars, the cave made a quarter of that not even it made like 33 so it's like it this is it, it just reminds me very much of the prestige one of my favorite movies and the illusionist and trying to figure out wh- which one came out first oh, and all that yes. i've still not seen the illusionist because i worry it'd make me like the prestige less but i would say those are much it more won't. comparable movies because i just looked them up and it's 76 percent for the prestige and 73 percent for Rotten tomatoes this is the second episode in a row we've brought up the prestige. i'm sorry i can't help it it's, it's my favorite movie. for a reason. 
It's not a horror movie and we're not covering okay, it on not the not show, a Emma. Movie. I will see that. Okay. Not quite that bad. Well, I guess we need to um, rank we do. the descent on the scoreboard. Um, I'm kind of ex- I think it's going to do well just based on you like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because I feel like I don't. I don't know if you and I like talk ourselves into a lot of movies or what, but since I have been doing it, we've been placing a lot pretty high. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm a little kinder. I don't know, but it looks like right now, um, I'll go ahead and give you, so we are, we're at 63 total. I think, let me double check. Start from the top. Just, just do top 10. What one and just go down the thing ready or not. Okay, keep going. Jennifer's body, okay. American psycho, uh-huh. American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. The Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. Psycho. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Psycho made it that high. Anyway, It Follows. It's excellent. A Quiet movie. Place. I know, but I thought you liked it. So, I mean, I thought I liked it so much more than you. Anyway. No, I love Psycho. The Conjuring, Oculus, The Babadook. Okay. I don't think we need to go lower than this. Really? Fine. I'll, oh, no. So The Babadook is 12. I, I think it's because I don't like The Babadook, and that's why I did that. But. Let's continue because there are some ones under this. I like the Babadook better than this. There are some ones under this that I really like and that I would be hesitant to put this above. Okay. Um, Midsommar, okay. Hereditary, Scream, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie, The Shining, Creep, Little Shop of Horrors, Shaun of the Dead. I would put it Damn, these are some above Shaun of the Dead. I agree. Well, what's below Shaun of the Dead? Misery. What's below that? Hocus Pocus. Okay. <laughs> All right, I agree. I think I think you nailed it. I think it's below Shaun of the Dead. It's above Misery. I said no. I think it's above Shaun of the Dead. I said above Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would put it above Shaun of the Dead. Below, like I, I don't think it's as good as like Scream or Carrie or The Shining. Well, no, those are like no. But that I mean that's not even no, fair. It's really not. <laughs> All right, so this is gonna be the the new number twenty. That sounds low, but that's a of it's 63. a very good movie. I have had extremely little to say about it, and all that was very nitpicky. Yeah, it was very petty. And I, this is a very good movie. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. And then our new number 20 on our list. Our new number 20. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is all that we have for this episode. Before we go, if you will just be patient with me and let me do my one little pitch. Uh, we have the show going because we have people who like to listen to it. We like to put it on. Um, but in order to put it on, it takes some effort and some time. So if you wouldn't mind just giving back just a little bit by liking, subscribing uh, to the podcast. And if you have just a moment, maybe leaving a review, that would be dandy. Um, and if you're feeling... Tell your friends. Tell your friends. If you're feeling... Ex- tell your weirdo friends. Yeah. Those are our we people. We collect those. <laughs> Uh, more weirdos unite more of us um so join the club get friends to join the club and if you're feeling extra um extra zealous then consider becoming a patron uh, which is where you are actually not only are you a member of the club but you have a officer position within the club that gives you special rights you can see all that on our uh, patreon page so all that to say we are so so thankful to have you on um, li- as listeners and we want to do more content and in order to do that we need help from y'all so consider throwing us a like or review whatever you have time for bring us your weirdo friends big shout out to our patrons who chose this episode they vote on all of our episodes um love it and also one one more shout out one of our maybe our next mini episode one coming up soon i'm going to be talking about club members real life ghost ah, stories. i'm really excited about this if you have i know and emma's not going to know any of yes, them yes i am I purposely get to read not them. reading the emails you're welcome 
And if you have a real life ghost story, if something spoopy happened to you, I want to hear about it. If you're okay with me sharing it with the club, let me know. If you're not, send me the ghost stories anyway. I don't know. I want to know about them, but then just tell me I can't share them. But <laughs> our email address is nightlighthorrormovieclub at gmail.com. Email me. Let me know what's going on in your spoopy life. And uh, I want to share it with the rest of the club. Yeah. I think that's about it. Until next time, guys, stay spoopy. Stay spoopy.